Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. And if this is your first time tuning in, then this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover or shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story, how they've gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts. Share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague. And if you're really feeling special, leave a review of Next Level Minds on the Apple Podcast app and let me know what you think. Now on to today's guest. I am sitting down with Matt Bockhorst. He played football for Clemson as an offensive lineman. He has four ACC championships under his belt. He has a national championship under his belt. He was the team captain in 2021. Uh, And right now he is currently a wealth advisor uh, for Beacon Point out of Greenville, but he actually works out of Charleston, South Carolina, handling some relationships there. So him and I are going to chat a lot about his experience playing football for a D1 school like Clemson University. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about adversity. We're going to talk about success. Um, So if all of those things are of interest to you, be sure to tune into this week's episode. And other than that, as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Thanks so much for hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast, brother. Absolutely, man. Glad to be here. Really excited we were able to uh, find a time and um, very, very appreciative to be uh, guest 118. So um, that's a a huge honor and congrats again to you for all the success and uh, getting to that that point because I know that's, that's a challenge. Thank you, man. I, uh, I'm glad we're able to make it work, man. You, you've had a ton going on this summer, haven't you? Yeah, I have. You know, I uh, recently got married, as we were just uh, talking about, and uh, life has certainly not slowed down after that. But it's been it's been a lot of fun and trying to kind of take it all in stride and, and make sure I appreciate the uh, craziness while it's here. Yeah. Plus, you live it in Charleston, so there's always a ton to do there, too, right? Yeah, when I am in Charleston, there is definitely no shortage of fun things and uh, lots of good buddies of mine live in the area as well. So uh, my wife, Julie, and I really, really like living here and uh, it's hard to beat, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt, man. So before we just like really talk about all your accomplishments and leadership, culture, a lot of the stuff that we're going to dive in today, um, I want to talk about your, your background a little bit, right? I know you obviously played for Clemson. That's no easy battle to get on that team. So I would love if maybe you could start at like... 15, 16 year old Matt decisions you made at that age to get you kind of to that college level. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was very fortunate to grow up in a, a great family and a football family. Uh, most importantly, my dad played college football back in the day at the university of Cincinnati and uh, not just me, but my brothers as well. We've always been passionate about football. That's for sure. And um, where I went to high school in Cincinnati at a school called St. Xavier, we had a great football program. Uh, one of the most notable alums that a lot of people would know is Luke Keekley. 
Um, but uh, so kind of having been brought up in a football family and, and also being at an institution like St. X, um, 15, 16 year old Matt was pretty locked in, uh, yeah. which uh, in hindsight, I kind of laugh about in some ways because I think I had this brass confidence back then. And um, maybe some of that was ignorant, but I think there's something to be said about just being really convicted in yourself and and the path that you want to follow. And for me, mm-hmm. that was absolutely playing college football. Um, now, I, I think that it's definitely a fair and important thing to recognize to say that there's certain God-given abilities that play into something like that. And and I recognize that. And I think that if you are fortunate enough to be blessed with uh, an outstanding athletic ability, kind of part of your duty almost is to fulfill that to the greatest degree. Mm-hmm. And um, But back, back as a junior in high school, we'll say, I think um, – I knew at that time that playing on a high level division one football team was definitely within reach for me. And uh, it's funny looking back as well. I always wanted to play at Notre Dame Uh, being uh, growing up in Cincinnati, Catholic kid. It kind of seemed like uh, I was destined to be a golden domer. And obviously here we sit, that was not the case. And um, when when I was a junior and when it kind of became evident to me that Notre Dame's interest in me wasn't as necessarily reciprocal as I had hoped, uh, that's really when I started looking at other schools, including Clemson. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that Notre Dame and and their lack of interest definitely gave me a little chip on my shoulder. Um, but it kind of taught me that you can't necessarily have things pre-planned in your mind. That was probably the first, I wouldn't necessarily call that adversity, but definitely a hard pill to swallow, um, you know, growing up watching Rudy all the time. So, uh, but it all definitely worked out. And, and, and from that point, um, I was able to get an offer from Clemson and, and make a verbal commitment there. Um, and then really after that, going into my senior year of, of high school was kind of the first real adversity that I had dealt with. I tore my ACL, mm-hmm. um, but uh, that those kind of years, I, I still to this day say were so formational and just who I am as a person, but also I think were really important in equipping me with that sort of mindset and grit to be able to face adversity and overcome and also, you know, preparing myself for college football, which is, as you said, it is no joke. And uh, those guys are out there right now practicing in the heat. And, um, you know, it, uh, I think that, that sort of 15, 16 year old Matt, uh, once again, I was very locked in. I was, I was committed to one thing and, and, uh, luckily I was able to come to Clemson and and have a great experience, but it is kind of funny to look back on those years and, you know, you think, you know, everything. And as you look back, you realize you didn't, but, um, it's, uh, you know, it's always good to, to look back. Yeah, at the time, at that age, you're like, man, I just know everything in the world's on my shoulders. Let's go. And then you progress down the road. You're like, I didn't really know anything at all, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that could be said about probably any age. Yeah, um, yeah. I think as we get older and older, I look back to to freshman year in college, Matt, who once again thought that he knew yeah. everything, and that's part of growth. I think that if you look back and and five years ago, you had the same thought process and same mm-hmm. mindset and perspective as you do today, then you probably haven't grown all that much. So Mm. I think it's almost to laugh about it is is almost a good thing because you realize how far you've come. Yeah, man, let me ask you something. So you talked about, you know, wanting to go to to Notre Dame. Thank God you didn't, by the way. 
Um, <laughs> yes, thank God. But, you know, in regards to that, you said that they had a, a lack of interest. So what kind of further advice would you have maybe for people who have like a plan of, I want this career, or I want this business, or I want this college, and then they have to shift? Because I know that can be some some challenge from a mental perspective. Yeah, well, I guess from a philosophical standpoint, uh, I don't know who said it, but they say that a dream deferred is not a dream denied. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, also, and maybe less eloquently put, uh, shoot for the stars and at least you might land on the moon. Right. Um, and I think that is when you're young, um, to have the ability to kind of let go and, and let life take its course is more challenging just because you don't have as much experience. I think when you are younger, a lot of life, especially for those who are fortunate, um, is structured and you go to a school because that's where you live. And if you're fortunate to go to a private school, it's because your parents can afford it and mm -hmm. you go to school and everything is very regimented. But then as you get older, especially if you have very lofty goals, um, certain things are just not always going to happen the way you had played them out in your mind. And sure. I think it's important to really have the perspective and and it's hindsight is always 2020. It's very easy for me to sit here today and say, thank God I didn't go to Notre Dame. But when I was a junior in high school, I was not happy about it. And um, so I think for, for anybody in, in a situation like that, whether it's for a job or for somebody that's applying to colleges, if it's not the one that you had hoped for or thought you were destined to go to, um, oftentimes you end up realizing that, uh, it was probably meant to be for you to, to end up where you were. And, and sometimes maybe not. And sometimes maybe there's some reflection there as far as things you could have done differently, but I, I definitely wouldn't ever want to be personally or want anybody else to, to live in the rearview mirror as coach Sweeney would say, it's all, it's always about what's next and, and kind of rolling with the punches. Um, is uh, it's challenging to, to swallow those pills in the moment. And I think to kind of take any situation like that, that's disappointing uh, with a grain of salt and and take a step back, see the forest through the trees a little bit. Uh, and you'll realize that, you know, it's probably not the world crumbling down as it might feel in the moment. Yeah, man, I a hundred percent agree. And it's also like, God's going to close the right doors and open the right doors too. Right. Exactly. Especially, I mean, I, I am definitely one who believes that things happen for a reason and right. uh, there's a, there's a higher power at play. And, and sometimes, man, that's, that's part of having faith and not necessarily everybody does um, think along the same lines there, but, but sometimes all you can do is, is just kind of let go. And, and once again, let just go down the journey of life and um, it's not in your control. We're, we're reminded of that often. And, and I think it's important to know. Yeah. And I appreciate you mentioning that, but um, I, I want to switch gears a little bit because I know you're a team captain at Clemson, obviously, which is super cool. Um, but, you know, how did you prove yourself early on, like freshman, sophomore year? And maybe what advice would you have for younger professionals who may not necessarily be playing football, but maybe they're like year two or three in their career also trying to prove themselves? Definitely. I think uh, football, especially, but sports in general are, are such great teachers uh, for life. Right. And I, I mean, there's so many people that would agree and and having gone through it, I definitely feel like I was able to mature so much faster because of being a football player. And I remember coming in to Clemson. Um, I was coming off of torn ACL my senior year of high school and was highly recruited. And um, 
you know, you get into a very highly competitive environment. I mean, at the time coming off of a national championship win about as competitive of a college football environment as you can find. And you realize that uh, as big of a fish you were in your pond back home, you're just one of many now. Mm. And some guys have a hard time with that and really understanding how to compete, how to lose, how to face adversity and get back up and how to be accountable. You know, the discipline and accountability that comes with being a part of a college football program, especially Clemson, is no small feat. And there's there's a huge adjustment, I think, for a lot of younger players um, when they get into college. But regardless, I think the principles, whether a guy coming to play college football or young professionals uh, are very similar in that um, it's going to be hard when you first start. I think anything worthwhile is is going to be challenging. And the first couple of years might not be filled with a lot of glory or quote unquote success. Um, because those are the times when you are developing, you are proving yourself. And I think first and foremost, it is letting your work do the talking and, and not your mouth. I think that um, you see a lot of young, especially athletes, but uh, even in a professional setting, a lot of people might talk a big game, but then when push comes to shove, their production doesn't necessarily match that. And I would much rather be around somebody in a team setting who might not talk as much, but is going to do high quality work and compete. And I think if you do those things in any setting, any highly competitive setting in your first couple of years or early on in your time, you will get respect from people and respect is earned, not given. Mm -hmm. And I think we should all desire to be respected by our peers and teammates because, um, you know, they're the ones that see how you walk your steps every day. And, and that's really, in my opinion, the most important thing. So, it is um, always a challenge to enter a new environment, especially one that's really competitive, but ultimately letting your body of work do the talking, um, understanding kind of how tough a little bit, you know, people are naturally charismatic or leaders. And, but sometimes when you come into an organization, you have to take a backseat and you need to learn from those leaders. And that, that is challenging for some, but there's, um, I think great reward in humbling yourself and allowing yourself to learn from those who have come before you. And once you get into a leadership position like that, you have a lot more appreciation for what it takes to be in that position. Yeah. Because of all like the back end work that it took to get there. Right. Exactly. It's, um, you know, seldom do things happen overnight, especially yeah. once again, things that are worthwhile and, getting into a really competitive situation might be the first exposure a young person has had to something like that, that really is challenging. It's not like you study for the test and on Friday you get your grade back. You could be developing relationships or chasing leads for a year or two years before something really comes to fruition and understanding how to talk to yourself in the back of your mind and, and remain encouraged and keep wind in your sails is, is really the only thing that's going to get you to that point. But somebody who hasn't experienced something like that thus far in their life, it is extremely challenging. Yeah. And you know, what's funny too, is like people are going to see you get to that destination and they're going to be like, kind of feels like it came out of nowhere if they weren't tracking your progress. And then you're like, nah, like, have you seen the last two to three years? Right. Right. And that's where, you know, everybody is the star of the show in their own mind, but yep. in, you know, for, um, like people you went to college with, you know, you people go off into their careers and, 
everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And so you might see that person once a year. And, and so over that course of the year, you think, wow, that person's come a long way, but there's 365 days that mm -hmm. it took to get to that point. And it's always good to have that perspective. And, and that I think also lends itself to the conversation about just social media in general and, and mm -hmm. seeing people's highlight reels. Um, cause I think that's absolutely true where we see people, a lot of times people that we might've gone to school with or people that were old friends and all we see on social media is, uh, their successes and all the great parts of their life. And so it's important not to get too much into a comparison mode because, um, life is not a highlight reel and it's important to have that perspective and know that as many times as you'll have those great days, you'll have five more that weren't so great. And, um, that's part of the process. Yeah, man. I, I I'm glad you mentioned that. Like when I first started recording episodes for, for the podcast, I would speak with these younger entrepreneurs, let's maybe 25 to 35 years old. And I would kind of be like very curious in my mind of like, how do you have this already like really established business? But then after talking to, to them, they're like, dude, this is like my sixth attempt. Like I had five or six other businesses before this that actually ended up failing, but you know, this one ended up working out. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I always like, uh, I guess it's a metaphor of sorts, but uh, if you look at a duck that is um, swimming in a pond on, on top of the water, a duck is just kind of calmly floating, but underneath the water, he's paddling those, those feet like crazy. And that to me is a great metaphor for kind of that professional rising and, and development is like, Hey, I am pedaling like crazy underneath the surface, but on top, I stay calm and cool. And I think that is, um, you know, it's just part of outwardly kind of presenting yourself in a way that, um, you know, gives off that confidence and swagger and conviction, but ultimately under, underneath the surface, you gotta be grinding. And, uh, some people it's hard and, and it's, it's a lot of the work is done in the background. As you said, it's, it's, Coach Sweeney, Coach Sweeney always used to say that um, champions are won when the stadiums are empty. Yeah. Championships are won, excuse me. Um, so th those are all things, once again, great examples from sports to life, but um, it's always hard and you don't ever want to compare. You want to do um, the best you can, your best every day and not and not be so worried about being the best. Yeah, absolutely. And focus like, of course, focus on the outputs and the goals, but also focus on the inputs, a lot of the things that you can control. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, if you're if you're not in a situation where you get some, uh, you know, yes or no, or, or a win or loss kind of each week, or, you know, it's not like you have a test every couple of weeks, yep. it's, you need to kind of focus on those inputs and really be uh, in tune with the effort that you're giving so you can be satisfied and comfortable with, with the outcome that you're getting, because it might not come for a while, as we said. So it's, uh, those are all important things. I mean, it's much easier said than done. I, I certainly don't claim to be a perfectionist at any of this. And I have to remind myself a lot of times too. Yep. Absolutely, man. And you just talked about championships. So you got a couple of uh, championships under your belt, right? Yes. Uh, being, being at a school like Clemson is uh, kind of nice. You know, it's like I say, <laughs> Uh, when you're playing golf and you've got a really good scramble partner, it's kind of like mm. when you have Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, you know, you just let him do all the work. But uh, but uh, it, <laughs> it was sweet. a great experience um, to be at a place like Clemson, especially during the time that I was there. Obviously, national championships, um, bowl games, ACC championships. Most importantly, to be a part of a an organization that knows how to win and expects to win mm. is a is an absolute privilege because 
Um, I think that the culture and attitude is just different. And to be have a front row seat to that and to play a small part in that is um, just an experience I know I'll appreciate for the rest of my life. But it really taught me so many things. And and Coach Sweeney and all of his meetings, I've got a notebook of notes from his meetings that I apply very often in my professional life. And so um, we had a, a great run there and and I hope Clemson is able to kind of get back on track this year and, and make a run for the playoff. But, um, you know, it's back again to the conversation about all this stuff kind of going on in the background, um, drawing it back to football, you get 15 games maximum per year and there's 350 other days in the year. So um it is a lot more grind than shine mm. and that is such a great teacher for the professional world once again delayed gratification i mean these are things that it takes a lot of work in the dark to go look good on saturday nights and uh, unfortunately not everybody kind of realizes that or they don't get the opportunity to see everything that goes into it but once you get on the field on saturday night or you know in the national championship and you're able to uh, put a whooping on Alabama, you realize it's all worth it. And and then quickly after that, you realize that life isn't over. And in two weeks, you'll be back working out yeah. again. So it's uh, it teaches you so much. But to to once again, to be a part of a program like that, to, to be elected team captain as a senior mm-hmm. um, is something that is very important to me and and something that I know I will take with me for many years to come. Yeah, I was I was about to say that that hype video that they play before the fourth quarter, like that only touches on a good 30 seconds of probably all of it. Right. So. Right. And, and you know, it's just like I get chills thinking about that because that hype video before the fourth quarter, I mean, it is just easy to get oh, yeah. amped watching that video. And then you just look at the guys working out. I mean, you're talking 530 in the morning in February. Yeah. And, but it's that, that is the process. I mean, that is what it takes to be a champion. And if you're willing to submit to that, if you're willing to sacrifice and work hard, then you get to that fourth quarter and the crowd's amped up and then it's go time. And that's what's fun about football. Yeah. Dude, how do the nerves feel going into a national championship like that? Oh yeah. It's, um, you, you know, it is to be kind of, uh, facing Alabama on the other sideline is um, I'm not going to lie, man. I was young when, when we beat them and I was a little intimidated and, and then, and then the second series of the game, bam, bam, pick six. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, we're ready to go. And um, those nerves pregame, I mean, whether it's Alabama or you're playing the Citadel or whomever, are very real. And it's the one I had a coach back in high school who always said, there's no feeling out process, meaning like you go into the first drive, you're not just kind of seeing how they are. Like you got to go. And, uh, that's a great lesson too, because no matter in life, if you wake up in the morning, if you're feeling good, if you're nervous about the big meeting, you get there, you get to the office and you need to go and you need to Mm -hmm. put those feelings aside and say, all right, you might be nervous, but let's go do this. And this is what we're here to do. And um, it's uh, it is a very challenging situation being in a position where you're doing your job in front of 80,000 and then however many watching on TV um, highly criticized. Uh, It's um, especially playing offensive line. It's you don't get much of the glory, but um, 
you know, it's, uh, it's once again, just, it was a huge privilege to be a part of a program like that. And I will always be a Clemson tiger through and through. That's for sure. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, like Bama, they got some big dogs out there on, on defensive lines. So you're facing those guys as a young guy, right? Yes. Especially that year they had, they had, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, but I would have to imagine every single one of their defensive players was drafted. Yeah. Um, and, and that, if you looked at Alabama on paper and the talent that they had, they would on paper, they would wipe the floor with us that year. But I think there's so much more that goes into that. And to go out there, we didn't give up any sacks that game, which was a huge, huge yep. point of pride for us. Um, sometimes it is a little David versus Goliath and you just got to go throw your stones anyways. Uh, and that's, that's also a good lesson in life, but um, to do it against an Alabama team that was that stack that everybody said was the best football team. And however many years was a good feeling. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I feel like all those guys on that team, I, I don't, I want to say like most of them went to the NFL that year. So I, I mean, I, I would have to imagine. I know that the Georgia defense that we played in yep. 2021, every single one of those guys were drafted. So uh, yeah. it, it, it is, uh, it's a high level of competition. But that's, I mean, if you are a true competitor and that's what you are, that's what you, that's what you dream of. And sure. um, especially to have the opportunity to win a national championship is I think as I get further and further removed from college football and um, just more experiences in life, I realized how special it was. And, and um, you know, as, as we get older and older, I'm sure the, the stories will continue to grow, but that's yeah. how we're when there's 80,000 people there, like screaming at Death Valley, do you just tunnel vision tune out on the game itself or like, yeah, you do. I mean, uh, home games, it's easier to tune out the audience yeah. just because they, they, uh, they're in for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, it is really, you try to be laser focused and, and the, the crowd does so much for the energy and all that stuff, but you really, you've got so much to worry about that you can't be thinking about it too much. However, when you're at an away game and the crowd is, uh, mm. is beating down on you, it can affect the game a lot. And it is something that you have to battle with much more and, and really focus. And I don't think a lot of people understand how much crowd noise affects the game. It can affect the game su substantially. And uh, it is, um, it's cool. I mean, when we played, Alabama or excuse me, LSU in the national championship the following year, which we unfortunately lost. Uh, we were playing them in New Orleans. So it was basically an LSU home game and it was deafening. Um, and to go Especially in there, on an offensive line, right? I mean, like third <laughs> down type of thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, we were not able to get the job done that year, but um, to kind of be a competitor in that arena is, is, you know, kids dream of that. And yeah, um it's it is once again a privilege and i'm very appreciative to have that experience yeah man absolutely and um going back about 10 minutes you said you had a notebook of some uh, of Dabo's meetings like could you maybe pull two or three top points off the top of your head of just some yeah i mean the one gosh there's so many yeah uh, i mentioned i mentioned uh like the the rearview mirror so one of the coach one of the things that coach Sweeney talks about um is the windshield mentality and the, he we have a graphic at, up in the um slideshow at the beginning of each team meeting and it's uh it's like you're sitting in the driver's seat of a car mm. um and when you're sitting in the driver's seat the windshield is naturally much larger than the rear view mirror and so metaphorically whether in sport professionally in life the windshield's much bigger because that's where most of your attention needs to be. And it, whether good or bad in the rearview mirror, it needs to be very little of your attention because it can't you can't change what's happened in the rearview mirror. 
Um, so that's one of the things that he's always harped on. And then one that I'm sure you've heard me talk about um, that I always say anytime I'm talking in a, a public setting, one of the things that he says, it's very simple, but I think it is very profound, is that the future belongs to those who can hang tough. Mm. And I think that especially talking about mindset is there's a lot of people who don't reach the goals that they had maybe set for themselves at one point or don't fully reach their potential because they cannot hang tough. Mm. It's not about um, talent or skill necessarily, but can you have the stamina to hang tough? And when you're, when you're in the dog days of summer and business isn't moving very well, and, uh, you're having to chase people down and you have, you kind of have a couple losses or you lose some prospects, you got to keep going. I mean, it, it is, you, you can't, there's no time to sit there and lick your wounds. Um, so that's one that I have always kind of, once again, I've spread that message to as many people as I can, but I also try to remind myself of that. And I actually have that written down on my desk um, because there's some days when you just want to look down and, and hang it up, but the future belongs to those who can hang tough and can you. And um, how profound is that? Because uh, there's a lot of things that we cannot control, but our attitude is one of them. And um Sometimes it's re really easy to have a bad attitude or to start feeling sorry for yourself. But if you can hang tough, more often than not, you will outlast anybody who's competing with you because most people won't. I'm telling you right now, most people do not hang tough. And and that is why being successful and, and making money or whatever you deem success to be is so hard because uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, you don't just get to get excited one day and then things happen. You have to put that together every day for a month, two months, a year, two years, and then one day it might happen. Uh, but you yeah. got to, and then once it happens, you keep going. So those are two of the ones that I, I think about off the top of my head, but there's so many just principles about competitiveness and mindset and discipline and accountability and um, there, there's some that I'll, I'll pull for you that I can show because I think that there's a lot of great material that he shared with us. And we're very, very lucky to, to have a man like that leading the program. Yeah, man. I, I remember you mentioning that in your speech, um, earlier, I guess that was like springtime time flies, but, uh, you know, the future belongs to those who can hang tough. I mean, that, that, that can relate to any area where there's football, business, you name it, right? Exactly. No, it's, it's so it's applicable across all things. And, and, um, even in relationships or people going through hard times personally. And um, we live in a world that, unfortunately, I think a lot of people are told that it's okay to feel sorry for yourself and and it's all right and they'll pat you on the back and make you feel good. And in some cases that might be warranted, but I'm of the belief that uh, internally you need to be tough. And if you are really somebody who wants to do great things, who is driven, who who has those lofty goals, then you need to have some bulletproof skin and get back on the saddle. And unfortunately, that sort of tough love is is hard for some people to swallow. But I believe that's a, that's true of life, true of business, and true of sports. And if you can hang tough, it is most likely that there will be great things waiting for you on the other side. Yeah, man, I'm pumped up after you mentioned that. I'm gonna like pause this part once we stop recording and listen to this again. I hope the listeners yeah. do the same on this one as well. Um. Dude, so you you talked about hard times a little bit. I know you went through one. Was it uh, the, the Pittsburgh game where you had the knee injury? 
Yeah. So, well, uh, one of them, one of my knee injuries. Um, yeah. Cause he's a senior of high school too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of football, right. You know, just yeah. as life, you can never plan. Uh, I didn't necessarily go to the school that I had always dreamt of going to, although the alternative wasn't too bad. Um, but also I had one time really thought that I'd be playing in the NFL and, uh, I was highly recruited and and did all these things. And I thought that it was kind of my path that it made sense that I was, it was within reach. And my first adversity that I faced was before my senior year of high school, I tore my ACL at a Nike camp, uh, and missed my senior year. We won the state championship. And that was, that was tough for me at the time, because I think so much of my identity was wrapped up in the game of football. Mm. And uh, when you're young, once again, you're 15, 16, 17, whatever it is, you think you know it all. And and uh, at that point, I mean, everything was ball to me. It was, it was, that was my identity. I was going to Clemson. It was all perfect. I was a high school American, all these things. And then just like that, it was taken from me and it brought me down, man. And um, got through that once again, got to Clemson coming off of that injury. And my freshman year had a little knee screw up so then they had to go back in and clean me up uh got cleaned up again after my second season uh and after my fourth season as well so had four surgeries on my left knee and then uh kind of on a on a bum wheel going into my senior year just trying to kind of fight until the last breath unfortunately as you mentioned uh, against pittsburgh in pittsburgh i tore my acl among other things and that was the end of it for me um which was a bummer, man. It uh, I had worked for several, several years to to get to that point, to be a starter, to be a team captain, to do all those things, and and really the one box I hadn't checked yet was to to play in the NFL, and and mm-hmm. here I sit today, and that box was never checked, and I think I had two options at that point, really. It's like, can I sit here and and lick my wounds and feel sorry for myself that I didn't get a play in the NFL, or can I sit here and be appreciative for what I have gotten to do, which is a whole hell of a lot. And the experience, I didn't just get to play college football. I got to play college football at Clemson. I got to win a national championship at Clemson. I got to win four ACC championships. Um, Very, very uncommon. And I think having that perspective, and that's why it was important for me to go back to that high school injury, um, man, at that point, like it was like my world was crashing down. And I, I really believe that if I hadn't had that perspective and had that experience at that age, that when it happened when I was a senior in college and it was really over, I, I think I would have struggled with it a lot more. But having gone through that pain and gone through that kind of questioning my identity and all of that stuff when I was coming out of high school, by the time that happened in college, I was very comfortable and at peace with the path that was my football career. And I knew at the end of the day that I gave it everything I had and I left it all out there. I mean, I was carted off the field. I never walked off the field. So yeah. I, I, uh, I gave everything I had. And unfortunately that didn't get me to the NFL, but what it did for me and what it taught me about life and the the platform it gave me to, to speak in front of people and, and for people mm-hmm. to get to know me personally is something that money cannot buy. And as much as my knees ache a little bit these days and I kind of get out of bed and I'm like, feel like I'm 60 years old, I wouldn't change a thing going back because I know that 
that, those experiences are really what shaped me into who I am today. And that is not something that a lot of people get to say at 24. You know, I think that those those sorts of points of adversity and, and hard times and and man, I mean, I, I remember the stress and and just trying to get healthy again. I mean, those, those are very real things and it consumes you. But then you get to to the working world and not that it's easy by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it uh, it's much harder for me to feel sorry for myself now because I know everything that I've gone through to this point. Yeah, man, 100%. And going back to what we mentioned earlier of like one closed door could lead to, to 10 open doors and now you have a story to tell about your situation. Well, exactly. You know, I, I'm really glad you brought that up actually because if it weren't for that injury, I would not be in the position I am now with the firm I'm with now and kind of on my path in my career as I am now because... Yep. If that didn't happen, you know, who knows? I, I don't know that I would have necessarily had the opportunity to finish my MBA right away. I don't know that I would have had the opportunity to um, get introduced to certain people like I have and um, to find my group professionally this early, which is once again, just such a blessing. And uh, in hindsight, once again, you can appreciate that much more. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hopefully you won't have any knee injuries as a wealth advisor, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, maybe a competitive game of pickleball, but uh yeah, yeah. I, if I'm getting knee injuries uh, in the office, then I, my athletic ability has severely deteriorated. Yeah, I was going to say something's definitely wrong there. Right? Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. Um, so I know you talked about what you're doing now. Um, you, you said you are, is it a wealth advisor, right, down in Charleston? Yeah, so uh, I'm working on a team. I'm the fourth guy on a team. Uh, I'm down here in Charleston. Uh, everybody else is predominantly based in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, but that's what we do. We manage money for private clients predominantly. And we also do some institutional stuff and some stuff with nonprofits. But um, yes, most often it's going to be with private clients, your high net worth and ultra high net worth families and uh, yep. professional athletes and things of that nature, which has been really, really fulfilling. I, I've really enjoyed it thus far. It is a very, very challenging business as a young person, um, especially mm. in the times we are now. It is uphill sledding. And for anybody who has a desire to get into this business, I, re I really recommend it. I think it's a great opportunity for young people if they are um, personable, they like to be around people and, and playing that that role for families, is it's an important role. Um, and I've really, really enjoyed that. And I think that if it weren't for my experiences playing football and, and all the adversity that you face as a young person in this business, I don't think I'd be quite as well equipped. But um, as much as there are hard days and, and you get told no a lot, uh, it's all about, can you hang tough? And, and yep. here I sit and, uh, it's amazing for me to look back on my body of work over the past, um, almost two years now and, and, uh, look forward to the next two years to come. That's for sure. Yeah, man, you and I are, are a bit in similar circles. So I'm not a wealth advisor, but I'm in sales to C-suite executives and I'm, I'm yep. 27, right? So I'm young, but you know, I started at 23 years old and I remember one of the first meetings I had with the CEO in Charlotte and uh, he looks at me, he's like, how old are you? And at the time I was 23, I was like, 23 years old and he starts laughing. He goes, dude, I have a grandkid your age. Why should I trust to do business with you? And uh, I kind of took that and said, well, hey, let me just show you through my actions, right? So would you say kind of you run your business and, and similar sentiments there? Absolutely. I mean, I think that any business in which you are interacting with people who are significantly older than you, or in some cases have uh, amassed a significant amount of wealth, for them to place their trust in the hands of somebody 23, 24 is 
understandably a big point of hesitation. And I think that's why I try to explain to people, whether when I go back to talk to the team or with um, college students or uh, any young people, building your brand, quote unquote, is not so much about what you post on social media or how good your LinkedIn profile looks. It is how you work and conduct yourself every single day. Mm. And for people that are older or who do have significant amount of money or who are in positions of power like a CEO, they that they buy what's real and they know that actions on a daily basis are real. And it's I think as much as it is upfront, very challenging to get the trust of somebody in that position. Once you earn the trust of somebody in that position, it is extremely satisfying and rewarding because you know that it was earned. It was not uh, just kind of a a good sales talk and you were able to convince somebody to do something. Like if they're gonna trust somebody who is that young to handle their business in whatever area of life that is, it's because they believe in how that person conducts themselves. Mm-hmm. And now not everybody has the opportunity to even prove themselves in front of somebody of that stature, but to have that opportunity and to understand how to conduct yourself and to present yourself well, and to be on top of things, to be punctual, to always be great at following up. Those are things that will serve you well for your entire career. And if you're able to prove it as a 23 year old with somebody who's 60, when you're 43, it's just that much easier. And that's what's so great about for you and I to be in situations like so, because you know the confidence that it gives you when you are able to find success in developing those relationships, even being young, in Mm. spite of that, you know that you're doing the right things and that if you keep going, if you keep hanging tough, that it's only gonna grow and and sooner or later, the uphill sledding comes becomes downhill a little bit or so you would hope. And um, it is, uh, once again, it's challenging. I think that there's times when it's like, man, I feel like I'm in the business of, of the hardest business there is to get people to, to work with me. But at the same time, you know, when those people choose to work with you, it's because they want to and because they trust you. And I, I've really enjoyed that aspect. I would say almost the most enjoyable aspect of what I do is getting to interact with people who fit a profile like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and once you build a couple of those relationships and have a couple wins, you can use that kind of as an arsenal of like, well, I did this with these five customers. Why, why can't I do it with these five more type of thing? Exactly. Any Anytime you get to have a proof of concept yep. uh, to show somebody that you are qualified to play in, in, in their in their arena, we'll say, uh, that just is more ammo. That's more wind in your sails. It's more, it's the proof's in the pudding. You don't have to sell something on belief. And that's, I mean, you get stack one win, then two, then three. And that, I mean, over time, it accumulates, but to get that that ball rolling, I mean, you could push on that ball, push on that ball, and it just won't roll. And then one day you get it to move a little bit and then a little bit more and you're just chipping away. And that's the nature of the beast. And and once again, that's why it's so important to hang tough. Yeah, man, 100%, dude. But man, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. You absolutely crushed it today. I uh, took a lot of notes on my end as the host, so I'm sure the listeners did some similar things there. But um, where is the uh, best place to connect with you? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if people want to connect with me, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Matt Bockhorst. Um, I would love to to interact with whoever it is. I'd love to um, impart wisdom or help guide people who are maybe in college trying to figure out what they want to do. Uh, I'm happy to help. And I think that that's important as somebody who's recently graduated, who's kind of found his groove to turn around and do the same. I think uh, we all benefited from people who have come before us to to help lead us. And and I think for those of us who are now in a position to do so, um, it is upon us to do the same. So I yeah, uh, would be more than happy to, to talk to who, whoever is interested. Cool, man. Yeah, I'll throw your uh, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes there so people can connect. But uh, dude, thanks again for, for hopping on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. I got a ton of value out of this episode after speaking with Matt, mainly about the importance of hanging tough when it comes to striving to reach success, as it is going to be hard. There are going to be roadblocks. There are going to be adversities, but it's just extremely important to continue to stay consistent every single day. Be sure to connect with Matt on LinkedIn. His information will be below in the show notes. And other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.